but it's like a brassy version well it's a instrumental brassy version so allow me Welcome to Your Inner Child is an Idiot. This is the podcast where we look back on things from our childhood and see if they're any good. My name's DJ. My name's Damon. Nice to meet you, Damon. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for being here, and I hope this audition will go as well. <laughs> Why would I thank you for being <laughs> Thank you for being here for my audition. I've just done great character work on this ingenue here for an audition. <laughs> Jesus um, Christ. Today, we're watching Designing Women. A yes. A show that I know very well. Mm-hmm. I'm very well versed mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. very excited to watch, and don't think will be a huge waste of time for everyone. Wow, really? Uh, yeah. Given that vote of confidence. Yeah. This was a hit in the 80s, so show some goddamn respect, <laughs> first off. Uh, was this like counter-programmed to Golden Girls? Was it like on at the same time? Or was it just I mean, I a think similar on, vibe in that they're women? <laughs> <laughs> they got that woman shtick over yeah. here. We got to counter it with like Southern women. Um, Can you imagine a world? <laughs> uh, I know they were probably, you know, uh, on, I think they're on about the same time in the same years. Okay. I don't know if they were on different channels or they were on the same channel. Maybe the maybe the same channel was like, hey, that that chick stuff worked out. We got to get more of that. Yeah. Get bukus of chicks in here. I'm sorry to treat you like you're the designing women expert, but I don't know. Other than it stars Delta Burke. I, I don't know anything about this. Thank you. Uh, first off, thank you for reading my book about designing women called Women, comma, Designed. Uh, <laughs> period. <laughs> my publisher said, it's weird to have a period in a title, <laughs> but I said, fuck you. I'll take this to every other publishing house in town. And he said, let's all just calm down. You know, if you won't take it, Hofton Mifflin will. <laughs> Penguin? Random House? I got calls for them. Uh... So this is a story about uh, Sugar Paker. I don't know what they're They're designers. Interior designers. Sugar Paker Designs. Two sisters, Julia and Suzanne Sugar Baker. And then Annie Potts and Jean. Yeah, Annie Potts of Ghostbusters fame. That's what actually what I know her from. And Toy Story 4 fame. Oh, that's right. And we're in the midst of an Annie Potts assance. So uh, and then Jean Smart. Gene Smart. I like Gene Smart. Right. And then there's actually a late season shakeup where I believe Delta Burke and Gene Smart leave the cast the, and my, are replaced by Jan Hooks of SNL Jan and Hooks. other. What did they just do that for actor reasons? Or was I don't it? know what, uh, what I think it was an actorly reason, maybe. I think Gene Smart actually got the spec script for Watchmen at the time, right? And just you know, signed on for that and just sort of been in a holding pattern for She's 30 been years. waiting for a while. God damn it, guys, are we even gonna start shooting this? You know, she knew like she let, that comic book's been a hit. I know this is gonna that take comic off. book that's currently being released <laughs> is a hit. But Gene Smart, huge comic book fan. <laughs> She's Bit wow. of a nerd. Bit that of a That may nerd. be true. I have no idea. She made our local comic book shop, you know, Dungeons and Dragoning down there. Uh, I don't know why Delta Burke left. She 
she finished it. She did Maybe it all. Gerald McCraney was like, as long as you're in my house, you ain't working. Don't get that reference. They're Is still that... married. Oh, okay. By the way. Delta Park's still alive? I thought she died. Wow. She is still alive. Okay. Well, um, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> my I apologies w- to the Burke estate. I'm not saying correct? I wish she was dead. I was just saying. Um, so I mean, you did have a glint in your eye when you said it. Well, I, just, I thought she was dead. I have cataracts. So. Um, okay. By I don't... glint, I meant milkiness. Oh. Stupid. <laughs> uh, this show is sort of known, especially now uh, in retrospect, it's kind of best known for the Julia Sugarbaker rant that would usually come at the end of Act Three. Usually not, there was a. That's not Delta Burke's character. No, that's, that's uh, okay. Dixie Carter's character. You know Dixie Carter. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Mrs. Hal Holbrook. Mm, you yeah, probably know her from Being Dead. <laughs> sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, One of my favorite things about her. <laughs> Well, I, her her dead work is fantastic. Her dead. Work. She. I honestly have to say, she nails it. When they did that hologram tour of her, that was amazing. <laughs> they toured her around like Abraham Lincoln. Little known fact: on a train, just uh-huh. through the country, and everyone it, wept. Openly. The stovepipe hat was a weird, <laughs> odd choice. People weird were like, choice. "That's not really her thing," but tradition's tradition. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So she would do rants? Yeah, so usually there would be a man who was uh, a ne'er-do-well, not listening to the women, sort of just being a misogynist in general, and uh, not always a man, of course. Um, And she would, you know, put them in their place with a Mm. very uh, precisely worded uh, southern verbal slap them off. What? Slap Uh, them off. (laughs) Hold on. My favorite noodle dish. Probably the most famous comes in the second episode, which I would recommend we actually start with. Second overall? Second, yeah, of the first season, um, where uh, she has her famous uh, The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia rant, which I won't spoil for you. Sounds like you just did. Just give me the old... Well, that's the the final line. The night the lights went out in Georgia. And then the audience goes... "Ah!" That sounds dumb. Well, you know, <laughs> I guess you had to be there, which you will be shortly. Um, I heard rumors from you mm-hmm. that there's a Delta Burke blackface episode. Yes. Uh, I have not seen this that episode in question since the first time I saw it. But it is one that sticks in my mind because it was the first time, one, that I had seen blackface on a person. Because uh, I was a child not and a, not a child of the twenties, um, and two a vaudeville child. <laughs> I wasn't traveling around, uh, and two. Uh, it was also the first time that I learned this thing I had just found out existed was wrong, because she does blackface. Because um, they're doing point. like a, a, a Supremes review, I believe. Oof. Like they're doing it for a charity ball or something. One of those sitcom plots where it's like, guys, we got to do this Supreme. We need five thousand dollars. What's this poster? <laughs> we got to save the community center. <laughs> um, and uh, I guess uh, Delta didn't understand the uh, the plan and puts on blackface, and everyone is mortified. So, to its credit, it puts her in blackface, but also chastises her for being in blackface. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah. I'm also hoping that that is the very special episode where Jean Smart's friend um, is being abused by her husband. Well, that sounds fun. Ooh, it's a very special episode. Woof. Uh, so we're in for a treat. Uh, we're going to watch 
that uh, first or the second episode and then the last episode and then we'll pick a couple episodes in there the blackface episode i feel like we gotta watch that now at this point yes uh and then we'll try to find a couple others it's on hulu right now if you want to watch along with us uh we'll be back shortly Why did I say that? It's so weird. I mean, it's just going to be seconds to them through the magic of editing. So, Well, I mean, shortly is correct then. I mean, yeah, for them. So why short. was I so hesitant? I don't know. I don't know why you doubt yourself. Honestly, DJ. Hey, DJ. You're doing great. Thanks. Damon. Damon. Why don't you tell the fine folks about patreon.com slash your child is an idiot. Uh, thank you. Uh, you can go to Your Inner Child is an Idiot. Uh, wait. Yes, right? No. No. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Your Inner Child is an Idiot. Correction. Your Inner Child is an Idiot. I mean, I'm a patron and support this really well put together podcast. Not stupid at all. <laughs> where I pronounce words correctly while you're playing music. So it's impossible to edit my mistakes out (laughs) you know what i mean didn't think about that (laughs) so again i'm gonna reiterate because you're still playing and i don't know what else to say uh patreon.com slash your child is an idiot georgia i've only been there once Boy, did we watch a shitload of designing women i was surprised by the amount of designing women we watched um not thrilled about it, if you want me to be honest. <laughs> really? Uh, what I like about you, DJ, is you uh, maintain an air of professionalism so that uh, every time we hit play on a new episode, you didn't sigh audibly. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> DJ, I'm going to explain uh, the basic overview of Designing Women, and then I want you to recap the individual episodes we, we watched. got all of them? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, so, Designing Women is a show about a design firm, Sugar Baker and Associates, I think. Something like that. Um, you got Julia, played by Dixie Carter. Carter. She is Carter. a uh, outspoken, wild fire, fire brand. Spitfire. Uh, Spitfire. Also, everybody's southern. It's in Atlanta. Right. Well, I was still talking about the fire uh, metaphors for Julia. I know, but kinda, I was I was helping. You kind of. I thought you? I was helping. Were you Were you helping? Guess not. Um, she yes is the and no. <laughs> That's how you trained. <laughs> yes, and absolutely not. I was talking. <laughs> um, Julia, uh, she is sort of the lead of the show. She's the older sister of the Sugar Bakers. Yes, she is. You know, she's just 10 years older than Delta Burke, which is definitely a fact I buy. The ages are a little... You know, it's the 80s. It's hard. We didn't have aging technology yeah. the way we do now. And the hair adds 15 years. <laughs> uh, and Suzanne Sugarbaker is her younger sister, who's uh, who's been divorced twice. Delta um, Burke. She's a little bit more materialistic. Uh, she's a former beauty queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a little bit lazy. Yeah. Sort of just sits around all the time. You also have Mary Jo. Yeah. Mary Jo Shively, who's probably the little bit, she's a little bit more shy. Um, who's, which one is that? That's Annie Potts. Okay. Uh, she's a little bit more shy. Um, she was my favorite, but I can't describe her. Yeah, she kind of, uh, 
comes into her own the more the farther along you get into the series but she's kind she's of also like julia light kind <laughs> of she's basically this, a similar character but not quite as aggressive right she's maybe a little bit more demure but probably politically aligned with julia yeah she wouldn't she wouldn't be necessarily although we saw a few episodes where she does sort of go off on her own but she usually needs either uh, alcohol or you know dressed as betty davis to get to that point <laughs> And then you have Charlene, yeah, played by Jean Smart, who's kind of, I wouldn't say even ditzy, but she's maybe a little bit more kind, pure-hearted, maybe to the point of gullibility. Me and Tyler have been watching it for a few weeks, so I can tell you at one point she gets swindled by a guy who claims to be an agent in Nashville trying to get her her big country music career. Um as you're saying this, I'm realizing how difficult it is to actually discern these characters. It is a Other than Julia, Julia's, Julia and um, who's Delta Burke's characters? Which Suzanne. One? Suzanne. They have enough distinct characteristics, but the other two are are kind. They kind of distinct in that they're played by Gene Smart and Annie Potts, so they're like played a little bit differently. But if you actually just like on paper write out their characters, they're kind of the same, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's that might sitcom-y. be a sitcom-y. It's not like it's a it's a trope of right. The, but I mean, I mean, Golden Girls, while a little bit sillier of a show, I mean, it is easy to sort of that's true. Sum up those it's characters more in a nutshell. Yeah, um, they didn't call either one of them a slut, which would be very <laughs> out of character for no this show. No one was called a slut, and also no one feigned a death in Blanche's room <laughs> to to make a point and get her a promotion. Yeah. Anyway. Um, you also, in later seasons, you have Carlene, played by Jan Hooks, who is a bit of a ditz. Yeah. She is sort of the Rose She's played Nyland. like a bumpkin, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Uh, and then you also have Joanne Sugarbaker, I believe. Is that accurate? Mm. Allison? Allison. Is it Allison? Yeah. Who is much more of a Republican, a counterpoint to Julia's outspoken liberalism. But apparently that didn't last very long. Yeah, she was booted off the show at the end of that season. And, then and she's got, replaced by BJ, a character that is not even worth discussing. Just kind of nonsense. She was I, like very Reba McIntyre-ish kind of I had even forgotten that speaking she, cadence. that they mixed up the cast yet again in the final season. Yeah. And I didn't even bother to learn anything about her. I think she bought in a card game, I read real quick, she bought in a card game the the uh, the last shares, uh, Allison's last shares of mm. Sugar Baker and Associates and... And there's that whole Golem with the Wind thing. We can go back and forth on recapping these episodes, but let's just do it really quickly. The okay. first episode we watched, did you get the name of that? I didn't get the name of it. It's the second episode of the first season mm-hmm. because we decided to uh, skip that because it was the one you remembered, right? Because it was well, the, it's the one that a lot of people remember. The pilot, I will say, me and Tyler watched that a few uh, months ago. And I mean, it's actually oddly similar to the Golden Girls pilot in that Suzanne gets engaged to Mary Jo's ex-husband. Oof. Like in an instant and uh, that's it. And then they don't go through with it. It's stupid. Mm. And this one, uh, Mary Jo's daughter, whose name I can't remember. Yeah. There's a lot of names. Mary Jo <laughs> Jr. Um, wants to join... Uh, gets wants to get signed up wants to sign up for a pageant and then under uh, charlene's direction julia goes uh on on this big tangent about why pageants are misogynistic and and terrible and she's right um but then god i'm gonna have trouble with these names uh delta burke's characters uh, suzanne suzanne uh 
used to do pageants, she, which Delta Burke did as well. Mm-hmm. So she like goes on about how it was like one of the best times of her life, and she remembers it fondly. Mary Jo Annie Potts doesn't want anything to do with that, but then later her daughter convinces her she really wants to do it. She's okay. She's she she's like I if I I'm losing to things all the time. I'll, it'll be fine. I want to do it, and so she convinces her to do it. She doesn't win, but doesn't she? <laughs> because she says, I don't want to do this. Doesn't feel like me or something to that effect. She, yeah, she decides to, what doesn't she do? She doesn't, she participates in the pageant, but she, she's like, won't give them the answer that she thinks they want. Well, she did give them the, the answer that she thought they want. And then she admits later, like, I don't even believe that. I just thought it was what you wanted to do. And I don't wear high heels and I don't do these yeah. other things. And, and, uh, you know, she was the real winner. Yeah. And then... And Mary Jo also learns she becomes a horrible stage mom when... Um, yeah, because she's being very pageant. catty the whole episode. Yeah. She's After a, also participating in Julia's, like, anti-pageant speech, right. once her daughter's in a pageant, she sort of becomes uh, a little bit a little bit more catty. Like, I feel like another sitcom would really ramp that up, but she just sort of became a little bit more catty. Well, because she talks about how, like, you know, it's all about judging women, and she shouldn't, but then she's constantly judging the other mom. And some of it's, like, just that she's, like, defending, she wants to her daughter to win you know she's but she's also just kind of like making snide comments about the other the other kids and the other mom's weight and this and that and how they look she thinks one girl has uh had work done on her lips she thought she might have injected steroids into her lips yeah and we get the we get the first all of a sudden a lesson uh (laughs) very sitcom-y thing like where like there's been this is actually the first especially are the elements that we saw from the first maybe two or three seasons are this basically a drama with like some comedy in it like it's not played like a drama like everything's shot like a sitcom and there are jokes but it's not they're not very many jokes and it's kind of like maudlin and then this episode is like they're they're going on tirades and and talking about things from the get-go but then all of a sudden at the end when the daughter's giving her speech it's like the music comes in and we're like oh here's the lesson which right. is very you know like full house was big on that's the one that always comes to I mind mean, it's hard to say i'm like if it's I, I maybe this is just the first i don't want to say it's a low caliber show but like we just watched golden girls which also had elements of that where music would kick in and we, yes. you know oh, yeah. oh we're going this is going to be part of betty white's emmy reel but this one seemed like it would turn on a yeah. Well, I wouldn't, don't want to say turn on a dime because it's not like it was like raking in the laughs. I feel like Golden Girls turned on dimes where, where you know, people would be There's doing one line. <laughs> jokes, 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 boom. Maudlin. Right. This one, it was just, it just felt like the story would be oftentimes going nowhere and then all of a sudden there would be a maudlin well, moment. Would, yeah. Um, where all of, like in, in the second episode, the first episode we watched, um, Delta Burke, all of a sudden she's just like combing her hair and she suddenly has a breakdown while you know, in backstage. Yeah, because she's remembering. Because she's remembering she's getting older. She's feeling and, worthless. Yeah. And I'm like, what? What the hell is this? And it felt very like yes. sizzle reel for the Emmys. And I'm like, you th- guys, this is your second episode. You can't just be pulling this shit all of a sudden. Well, but that does lead to the whole reason you remember this episode, which is the the night the lights went out in Georgia. Yeah. Julia gives this big rousing speech Julia- to girl to women who are making fun of. Her because yeah, Suzanne to be. left the, the the dressing room and the the current Miss 
Georgia, um, is making fun of Suzanne Sugarbaker. When she won in 76, she did a baton trick, and uh, Julia Sugarbaker, you know, overhears it. Because there are a lot of segmented dressing rooms and bathrooms <laughs> in Designing Women. There's yeah. always a wall in the bathroom so that people can still talk about you, but you can also still be in the bathroom hearing it. Um, and uh, Julia Sugarbaker overhears these women in bad-mouthing uh, Suzanne's uh, routine 10 years prior and uh, she gives this great speech and, and says you know the baton was not just a baton it was also on fire and on a way down it hit a transformer sending sparks into the room illuminating Suzanne's tear stra- tear stained face and uh, she said and that I want you to know Mary Ann or whatever that woman's name was so that you know and your children will know that that Mary Ann is the night <laughs> The lights went out in Georgia. And then the woman says, I mean, the, the, the whole know. show is like straw men for Julia yeah, Sugarbaker yeah. to rip apart. And so that woman goes, I didn't know. And she leaves, you know, with her tail between her legs. And it's all just, again, another reason to have a big speech. Yeah. Um, but I won't deny that at least Julia's speech in that moment was kind of effective. It was kind of fun to I mean, to see that sitcoms sometimes excel at like, yeah. here's an enemy that we can all hate for for twenty minutes, yeah. and let's destroy them at the end of it, and we'll never see them again. Yeah, she. I mean, she delivers the speech well. Oh, but yeah. it's like, even while she's doing it, she's like, "What?" <laughs> and then uh, it's lunacy. It is. Uh, I have three comments on this one before we can move in the next episode. Sure. Um, one, pageants are dumb. Check that off your Check list. That. Um, even the like hearing Suzanne and, and Charlene also sort of give a defense I was like this is piss poor defense yeah this is horrible a lot of actress references I don't get in this show <laughs> that, that that goes not just for this episode but that's you know it's very of the time um, in a lot of ways like it's very po- this show is very political but this this episode isn't but this one is chock-a-block with references uh, of actresses old and current, but all of them are old now. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's funny. There was, uh, in a later episode, you know, Julia and Charlene are talking about Lucy. I, I love Lucy. And I realized that, oh, we're as far from designing women as designing women is from Lucy. Yeah. So why wouldn't they be talking about it? We're fucking sitting here in your office talking about <laughs> fucking designing women. It's true. Going to do a whole hour on it. <sighs> um, also, my favorite comment from lauren during watching this was as the credits rolled for this she said um what (laughs) which is fair (laughs) we moved on then from to season two episode oh i didn't write down the episode uh yeah i titled this one in my notes it's just listed as aids exclamation point yeah this is the show this is the one now about aids you want to recap this one yeah not because uh, you're gay but just because it's your turn not to die from aids but to to recap the episode (laughs) um so in this episode i didn't even get the character's name but the guy who killed sam and ghost sam sam Um, weed's killer (laughs) he uh He's visiting, I guess he's a family friend. We've never heard of him before, and we will never hear of him again. Um, <laughs> well, he comes there's to a reason visit. for that. He comes to visit, um, comes out of the closet both as a gay man and as uh, having been diagnosed with AIDS. Yes. And that he's dying, and he wants the sugar bakers to design his funeral. This actor who, oh, what's his name? Tony Goldwyn? That seems right. I know he is of the Metro Goldwyn Mayor 
Oh. Uh, fortune. So it's a real rags to riches story. Asterix um, Bosside, his name. Which also would explain his like sweaty face and coked out appearance in both this <laughs> and Ghost. Whenever I think he I was see him. coked out and, and the, his character was coked out in Ghost, right? At some right. point. That, I think that is a sort or of implied at least. Um, so he's described as a sweet, funny friend by Mary Jo. Funny um, meaning gay. Mary Jo is also in the midst of a debate at her school's PTA about whether they're going to distribute uh, birth control, uh, uh, or, education, yeah. and condoms to the children. And there's a very conservative woman who's like, we shouldn't do this because it'll only entice them to explore sex more. And Mary Jo, after hearing Johnny's diagnosis, <laughs> uh, decides that, you know, we really should provide these these tools to kids. Because um, they'll die. Because otherwise they will die. Like my funny, my sweet, funny friend over there. Not funny, haha, funny limp wrist. Um, anyway. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, it does have a little bit of like white savior, I guess in this case, straight savior syndrome where, oh, yeah. you know, Mary Jo saves the day by, not by saving this boy's life because he's going to die, but... I guess getting condoms in school and decorating. We actually the don't ever home? find out that uh, how she that gets went. Condom in school. Yeah, she just sort of gets to give a speech, which I guess is designing women's mo. Like, find a way to get these women to deliver speeches. Mary Jo's shy, so we need to force her to give a speech. Yeah. Um, we also another straw man character. I didn't. I didn't really think true, about that, this that we were conservative watching. Yeah. woman. Yeah. Um, there's also another straw man in that uh, Julia Sugarbaker is sort of working on a project with mm. a family friend that she's known for like 30 years. And it was already set that, up to be a, annoying in the right. first scene. Yeah. Um, she, when she finds out this guy uh, has AIDS and is gay, she, you know, says the. They're killing all the right people. The, yeah, killing God's all killing them. all the right people. AIDS is God's judgment. And. Uh, you know, that scene also is kind of ham-fisted because you do have this, again, the Designing Women straw man, the DWSM. Uh, and you also have, like, it feels a little bit after-school special because, and maybe this was very appropriate at the time because all of the, the electric piano that comes in? Well, they're all, uh, <laughs> the the women are all sort of discussing how you can get AIDS and they're sort of discussing it in a very, like, they read, like, sentences we out read. of a brochure. Like, uh, yeah. Like, oh, I hear you can't get it off of a toilet. And Delta yeah. Burke's like, oh, yeah, I hear you can only get it from, you know, uh, sexual intercourse and sharing needles. And uh, they're not even jokes in it. They're just yeah. sort of like they're stating this. And at the, I want to give them a pass because at the time there was a lot of misinformation yeah. about yeah, yeah. AIDS and they and are bringing honestly, it to light. Let's be honest, still. Yeah, but I mean, Less especially so yeah. then when people didn't want to shake people's hands and people right. didn't want to use toilets. So, I mean... To their credit, but it was very stiff and like wooden yes, in retrospect. Absolutely. Um, the best moment, the most unintentionally hilarious part is that after Mary Jo gives her speech uh, promoting, you know, getting um, birth control information in the hands of teenagers, uh, it cuts to Tony Goldwyn's character. Um, <laughs> he's sort of staring back at her with a sort of coked out face of his. Like a half smile. Um, and he's sort of put into freeze frame and it cuts immediately it fades to an image of a coffin where his body is presumably and a zydeco band is playing at, per his wishes um and all these uh people and the the sugar bakers and anthony and mary joe and charlene are all you know singing new orleans 
music at his yeah. funeral and i was like jesus christ well that was why he came to them because he wanted them to decorate a room at right, a decorate funeral, his funeral. Par- yeah parlor that he can that then other people um because people want to have gay, like a big new orleans style when uh, people in the way. gay community are have been like their families abandoned them and so they've had these funerals that no one comes to or that are sparsely attended or whatever and so he wants to have a room. I guess it's just a permanent room at the funeral home that's like for oh, I people see. that die of AIDS, I guess. That, right. Uh, well, yeah, he was saying, yeah, that this was a, but a this is funeral clearly, home that yeah. caters to people with dying of AIDS. You could also presume that this could be his funeral, but it also could be people who died well, he wasn't. Him. He wasn't singing. Well, I mean, he obviously died before those people, but. It was awkward. It was very awkward. Um, do you want to go on to the next one? Or well, do you have anything we, to say about This is the first time AIDS? we saw Meshach Taylor in the show. True. He does He does sort of appear. I mean, he appears kind of late in the first season. Not super late, but it's, it, there's a few episodes where he is in the credits. But you're yeah. like, where is he coming from? Yeah. And he does finally appear. And he's um, introduced as ham-fistedly as any other... Um, soon to be dead of AIDS character would be where they're just like Anthony, where have you been? I've been calling you all day, and you're like, who is this? Yeah, um, and he is uh, freshly out of prison. Um, in the early episodes, he has a running gag where he says, uh, "Prior to my unfortunate incarceration," um, so he is out of prison and he's like doing a, a work release thing. Um, we also get a, a brief racist tirade from Gene Smart's her- character. Uh, where she's talking about how you can't go to a convenience store without it being a Middle Easterner or a teenager. It's either Ahmad or racist and Kevin. Yeah, I don't know. Abdul or Kevin. That's yeah. what it was. Not the most egregious of this time period, but it was like, uh-oh. Not even the uh-oh. most egregious of what we watched today. Yeah, but... Um, and then we got my favorite, probably my favorite line, I don't know, one of them of this entire watch, which was uh, Bernice... Who's the, oh, she's like a neighbor or something, an old. Uh, she's actually introduced in an episode where uh, Julia and Suzanne's mom comes to visit and they bring, she brings her friend Bernice. So she's actually a friend of their mom's, but I think uh, she might've been a fan favorite that started to be incorporated yeah. into the regular cast. By season seven, she's just like just in there. the finale. Yeah, she's just there all the time. Um, but she says, I don't remember what they're talking about probably their friend having aids and he she goes oh dear that's too bad here's a chiclet (laughs) (laughs) takes the chiclet it's great or have some chiclets something like that um yeah let's move on season three episode 19 the woman of atlanta oh yeah this Um, is i just titled photos yeah a photographer wants to take their pictures for an uh segment of women of the south and it's the women of atlanta but uh he ends up wanting them to be more suggestive in mm-hmm. their photos and it's kind of a a bit of a f- feminist uh episode where they kind of reject that and kind of reject all of the sort of misogynistic tropes that led to that yeah um so they get my favorite <laughs> we get a lot of like re- <laughs> this is the first time i noticed that instead of just like writing jokes they just have really long reaction shots. So like, <laughs> like um, I keep forgetting 
Jean Smart's character's name. Charlene. Charlene. Actually, I Charlene. think it's technically Charlene. Charlene yeah. will be talking, and, and like for long stints, they're just showing Mary Jo's react. Like, but she's not react. She's just literally what you would do if you're listening to someone talk, which is just sort of look at them. She's not making a weird face. She's not reacting, really. <laughs> she's just in like attentively listening, and it's like, what are we doing? I, I actually, I read that differently. I thought they were sort of making fun of how long-winded Charlene's oh. story was because I, I feel like Annie Potts's it wasn't overtly, but it was a strained face of just like trying to listen to this story a little bit. And I think it cut to Dixie Carter's eyes sort of flared while she was listening. <laughs> and I feel like they were Maybe sort this of was... not very like, they weren't like... Maybe you need it on more really, but... context because yeah. you've seen more episodes than I have. Because I was like, I don't, I don't get it. It was a long story, but it's also like, it's not like this is a narratively succinct show. <laughs> so it's not like it was so out of out of character of the show in general. Right. So I didn't get that as like a characteristic of Charlene. I, I think just that's got what it. they were going for. Okay, got it. Okay, well then it was done poorly. <laughs> um, and the, what's a Tam? Uh, that I don't know. We I it's meant to look that up. I think so. Do you want me to look it up? Sure. Listen, as I look it up. So can you put that into context for the fine folks? I don't She's know. She's talking I... about uh, um, Mary Jo is on some tirade about how you'll see a photo with someone and she's describing like in a. Oh, right. Where it's like, oh, yeah, these working women. And it'll be like uh, a woman, you know, cooking eggs. And she's just wearing a silk teddy and a red tam on the top of her head. It's a little, it's a traditional Scottish bonnet worn by men. Oh, yeah. Okay. I've seen those. It's like a little Scottish cap you'd see like in a, in a stereotypical old-timey golfing outfit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I would say that this, um, me and Tyler sort of drifted off from Designing Women around the second season because we powered through the first season. I was like, this is a classic show and it has to be classic for a reason. Let's at least make it to the second season because, you know, sometimes the the first season's like hit or miss. Yeah, We yeah. powered through the second season and eventually we just sort of drifted off from Designing Women. But I feel like the third season actually started to be funny because I feel like they stopped. The joke to, to story ratio started to increase. Yeah. It's sort of be um, more like what you'd expect from an eighties, nineties sitcom of like uh of like there's a story for sure. Mm-hmm. And there are like these kind of dramatic moments and like they are still hitting the lessons and stuff like that. But it was like mostly speeches in the first felt very two episodes that we saw. Sort of like every episode started with, I got something to say and we're gonna write an episode about this and I'm like, Oh, I really wish you would just well, Let's come up with some jokes about it. To be fair, this episode is very much written around the fact that they had something to say about True. misogyny and like those the, elements yeah. were still there, but I felt like it was, it was still like they were in a funny situation. Yeah, it was like it was like a comedic situation. <laughs> uh, plus, we get uh, Marty's sister from Back to the Future. I don't know the actress's <laughs> name, but she plays yeah. like the photographer's assistant, and she she's pretty great in the first part because he'll be like. Oh, I can't remember her name, but he'll, he'll be like, "Hey, what Estelle. do you think, Estelle? What do you think about that?" And she'd be like, "Oh, I'm trembling." Yeah, it's pretty it's terrific. Yeah. Um, she has she has no patience for it, and they thought that she was just mean. And then once they sort of rebel against the photographer, she's like all in. She's yeah. like, "I love." She's this. Like I hate him. <laughs> and then when they kick the photographer out, <laughs> someone says, "Anthony, get him!" <laughs> and he just kind of looks at the guy. He which just I did. shows him out and closes the door behind him. <laughs> I did find that funny. 
Uh, I did also laugh at uh, Annie Potts at one point. She's sort of given a shimmering dress and she's not wearing any shoes. Everything she's doing, she's like, I don't like this. Why would I show to work with bare feet? And he's like, why don't you straddle this chair? And she's like, she does it, but she's like, I'm really uncomfortable doing this. My mom actually told me never to do this. (laughs) And uh, my mom told me a lot of things. And then he's like, let me just spray. And he starts spritzing her with water. And she's like, I wouldn't show up to work wet, which for some reason (laughs) tickled me beyond belief. Um, I liked liked this episode because um, without being like so heavy handed with it, they were talking about women sort of getting sort of coerced into a situation and how that situation of like trying to be giving people the benefit of the doubt and trying to be sort of like uh sort of to steal the the language of gone girl being the cool girl i'm like Mm -hmm. i'm just gonna go i'm cool i can do this can sort of lead you into uncomfortable situations where you don't feel like you have the power to sort of push back and um I mean, this guy was also, he was overly glowing about them. Every time another yeah. woman showed up in the room, he'd be like, oh my God, you're fantastic. And but even though it was obvious that he didn't remember people's names, he didn't care anything about them. Um, yeah. So I thought it was a good episode. But then sort of the ending slips into just like, um, where uh, they sort of convince Estelle, who's a photographer in her own right, to like let's go around <laughs> yeah. and like take photographs of real southern women and then the ending of the show the, sh- the story just sort of ends and that the ending montage over the credits is just like photos of old women reading magazines like the real women of atlanta i guess and, I was like, and it looks like all the shots were from like 1972 <laughs> so it's like am i supposed to believe these are estelle's shots or are these shots that the producers found that they thought like played into the plot a little bit yeah, and I, I want to push back a little bit on, like, this is better for sure than the first two episodes. Oh, right, I'm grading on a curve. Don't, this don't get me wrong. This is extremely ham-handed. And this this whole series, like, I full-throatedly agree with their politics. Mm-hmm. So I want to, like, I am, like, it's preaching to the converted. So, like, you know, if, if it was done better, I'd be like, woo! But, like, it's really ham-handed. Like, it's very... uh awkward almost always but this is better this is a incremental improvement for sure at at the very least from the first two episodes where it's just like we got something to say (laughs) and we're going to lightly couch that thing we have to say with jokes every episode of this show at least the ones we watched plays like the season finale to a show that got canceled after the first season right like it's just right. like we got to make a point right at the end here and it always feels very <laughs> rushed and just like done with very there. little finesse and just like yeah. and it just sort of ends and it's just like what just happened at the end even when things seem to be going well or at least better like in this episode it just like sort of it sort of like slip and slides right into the end and just like yeah. hits a brick wall i'm like oh god yeah, guys, it's a, a like, second rewrite would have been fine. <laughs> Season four, episode six, your favorite rowdy girls. Oh God! Uh, now in the we beginning, get the double whammy of blackface and domestic abuse. You didn't tell me about that. Sorry, I thought I said that. I thought there you might be might, domestic might, abuse in this. One. You might. Have. I was. Let me tell you something. I couldn't. But at first, when they started talking about you know doing, uh, they they sort of get sort of corralled into doing a talent show with another design firm for some like 
charity thing that i guess all the atlanta design firms do you know that classic you know that thing (laughs) that happens in life um and so i thought oh maybe i'm like conflating two episodes in one because i don't see how domestic violence could get shoehorned into this i mean it would have to be really like (laughs) weird and just sort of forced into it and seem really like abrupt to be fair the blackface is more shoehorned into the domestic <laughs> abuse episode, to be honest. Uh, I also want to apologize to people who listen to the first half of the show. Otherwise, why would you start a podcast halfway through? This isn't like a radio program. Why do you start halfway through? <laughs> Just turn this on. Oh, I forgot to tell you, we've been syndicated on NPR. <laughs> we come on after Terry Gross. And I got to remind you, NPR, that's a terrible decision. Please do not syndicate this show. Your listeners um, will hate it. Uh, this, uh, this isn't as anti-blackface as I remember. Nope. Anyway, so... Arguably kind of pro. <laughs> That's how the show comes down on it. It's hard to say. Certain characters are vehemently against it. Not yeah. Meshach Taylor's character. Oddly enough. He's kind of like, it's complicated. <laughs> I'm like, is it? He's just defends her for not going. I'm sorry. You need to recap the episode. Is that is there? There's more to it because we've yes. got the whole. I mean, a I'll, story. I'll, let me get into it. The A um, story. So they're gonna do a Supremes number for this ball or gala or yeah. charity event or talent show or whatever the fuck. Um, and Delta Burke thinks, oh, well, we're four white women. We have to be. Uh, we have to darken our skin. And Julia Sugarbaker's like, well, you mean blackface? No. Um, and uh, anyway, without any further ado, they get a choreographer who happens to be Charlene's friend, who we will we've never Excuse heard me. of. Charlene, Charlene's friend, we have never heard of. We will never yet again see again. Um, and uh, we go to her house. They're doing choreography, which is odd because it's not unified. It's just sort of people kicking, <laughs> but that's not important. Yeah. Um, and they, uh, and I was like, I guess there isn't domestic violence until Charlene goes, Hey, what happened to your wrist, Mitzi? And she goes, Oh, I heard it playing tennis. And I was like, yes, Uh this is domestic violence. I was so pleased with myself because it meant that my like little 10 year old brain perfectly like trapped this episode in his little head, (laughs) um, and remembered Supremes, blackface, domestic violence, boom. Um, as they're leaving, uh, the the woman's house. Uh, her husband arrives home, and he's very sweet, and he's hugging everyone, and he's being yeah. very charming. Um, and they all leave to get out of their hair. And uh, as they're out on the porch, Charlene realizes she left her gym bag, and she's like, "Go on without me. Don't worry about it." She goes back in and hears him uh, screaming at Mitzi and punching her in the. Face. Punching her in the face, and I believe he smashed also like a dinner plate or something, yeah. and and also humiliating her and saying that she's going to eat it up. Um, I mean, it's really intense, yeah, really fast, um, as you would expect. Um, Charlene then leaves. <laughs> Charlene, there is a weird moment. I mean, you can hear the sounds of like punching or hitting and charlene like she's almost out the door and she turns around like she's gonna go in and say something but then she runs out real quick and leaves um and that was an odd moment yeah because she sort of said like she would do something but then it sort of lets her leave and she's very know, ashamed like, the next yeah. day she but she's not yeah. a, she doesn't really bring up the fact that she Left. abandoned her right she's sort of just like i can't believe that she would this would happen why is she staying with this man i was so bothered by how he humiliated her and how he hit her and 
But then she shows know. up. Maybe we're holding her to a different standard, but... I mean, it's obviously complicated, but that's... Uh, she is... This is a pregnant woman being punched in the face True, by her husband. True, we should mention Mitzi was pregnant. And she's witnessing that. Like, I don't know. It's really easy to say, you know, if this were a real-life situation, I would do X or whatever. But it's like... Yeah. This is like a... She's a clearly currently in danger, as is her unborn child, as are potentially the other children in the house like yeah she has two daughters yeah it's it's ugly ugly business and very you know not that uh abuse can't take that form but it's a very intense very uh abrupt abuse uh that happens and uh mitzi does show up am i getting her is that her name mitzi I don't think it is, but I'm going to go with it. <laughs> so Mitzi shows up at the house uh, the next day. She's wearing sunglasses and, you know, Char- Charlene sort of uh, quickly. I mean, without any like ado, she says, you got to get out of this situation. I know he's beating you. I heard what was going on last night. Yeah. And uh, Mitzi is, uh, well, Julia's like, maybe me and Jerry- Mary Jo should should leave and give you two some privacy. And Mitzi, of course, is like, no, you you guys are my friends now. And I'm like, what? It's been like <laughs> as of three minutes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Charlene implores her to leave that situation and, and uh, later goes to her house and gives her, before she goes to the talent show and gives her some money from all, all the all the sugar bakers and Mary Jo. Yeah. Uh, to sort of get her on her feet because all her money is all her money is held by her husband. So yeah. she is sort of He gives her an allowance, all yeah. the credit cards are in his name, the house is in his name, blah blah blah. It's almost like he's trapping her in this abusive cycle. Yeah. Uh anyway, they go to the talent show and they realize that Charlene never got a hold of Suzanne to tell her, please, dear God <laughs> in heaven. Do not do blackface. I mean, they had before, but I guess she was supposed to do it. Tell her not to again. Yeah. I guess. Please, for the love of God and your yeah. own body. Anyway, so apparently, for some reason, all the sugar bakers are doing the Supremes, but Anthony and Suzanne are going to do a duet of I can't remember that song, but it was like "Love a Boy." Yeah, come here, baby. boy. From yeah, sweet uh, baby, and. Uh, Meshach at first because and Delta Burke is running late. he still doesn't answer. Sorry. Uh, Delta Burke is running late, so Meshach has to just go out there with a guitar, and then she runs out in blackface. Doing a pretty good job. And, uh, yeah, and everybody's into it. And everyone's into it, and like the audience, the studio audience is kind of like you sort of going with it. It feels like this, in the show's version, a triumphant moment of like, yay, we did it! Um, and then later... Yes. And I just have to add that just in case you're not watching this episode and you need to picture it in your head, she's wearing a green dress, like a Supremes, Diana Ross-style 60s dress, but the black face also kind of looks green. It looks like you you described it as Incredible Hulk in mid-transition. So it's like very, I mean, blackface is o- almost always like kind of very unnatural looking. And, and this is like especially unnatural looking mm-hmm. the green dress is not which is maybe why delta burke up. wasn't thrown in prison i don't know <laughs> she can't mean it it doesn't look any it doesn't look realistic like it's usually terrible. blackface does right um <laughs> that was oh um what mishak taylor's character says earlier too he's like it's not like she's talking about al jolson with the right and i mean i mean that is also i know when the when the why did blackface enter the lex the the dialogue again a few years well, ago oh uh 
Oh, because every Trudeau? governor in America oh, yeah, yeah. apparently dressed in blackface. I want to say I wasn't an exceptional college student, but I have to hand it to me that I apparently never ended up in blackface because apparently that's yeah. something that everyone was doing. Yeah, real, real round of applause Thank for you. you. Thank yeah. you. Great job. Um, so, and then eventually uh, the Sugar Bakers do their Supremes number and Delta comes out with them well, and, and there's so three of them already sort of like sort of covering her up but not entirely she's just sort of there it's weird because the Supremes are a trio right so i don't know why delta gets two sets in this talent show first blackface or no you don't get two sets <laughs> them's the rules i am an atlanta designer and i am running the talent show that we all <laughs> do every year i don't i know and the other thing this is what i wrote down to what is the lesson here i don't understand the lesson here is if also, you're a cute shows Atlanta up and woman, she's going to oh, leave right. her husband. I forgot. Yeah. She did leave her husband. She brought her two girls with her. She's going to be fine. And she she loves the Supremes and she loves minstrelry. <laughs> so she, she made it to the right show. Season six, episode one, we get actual Ray Charles singing Georgia on my mind. Murder, in the credits. Murder. Okay. And we get, um, <laughs> um, we get some new cast. Um, Delta Burke is gone. Um, and eventually Jean Smart will be gone, but she is in the first two episodes. They kind of write her out. Right. Um, at least in the first two. Did I don't we know ever if look right up after. why her character left? Did she... I, no. <laughs> All right. But we get... Uh, Delta Burke left because... There's drama. Some, yeah, there's some behind-the-scenes drama. There was a whole, like, Barbara Walters interview, all this stuff. Basically, long story short, she got in a clash with the... The creators of the show. She got an Emmy nod. Bloodworth and <laughs> Thomasons. Thomasons, yeah. Uh, she got an Emmy nod and uh, felt that uh, she was sort of the breakout star, which sort of clashed with she the other more stars money, of the basically. show. Yeah, and I think she also wanted to be the focus of the right, show. Right. Um, and so instead of doing that, while she was renegotiating her contract, she sort of got out of her contract. I think with the intention to then renegotiate another contract right. and instead of they voted her off they just sort of got rid of her yeah. and wrote her off and said she went to japan or something and leased her house to Meshock taylor yeah sold her interest in the business yeah and then uh uh charlene introduces her sorry the the point of the story what is the point of this oh the We're point of this anita are we doing that episode or are we doing anita hill do you want to just mm -hmm. recap in general? Okay. Well, no, we can just go, just skip to Anita Hill and Clarence Thomas. Okay. So we learned in the episode before that, that uh, their younger sister, the younger sugar baker comes in, buys a, control, a controlling interest. And we also get Charlene's younger sister, Carlene, which is Jan Hooks' character. So we get that and we watched a little bit of that. And then we get, um, uh, we moved on to season six, episode eight, Strange Case of Clarence and Anita, which is all built basically a almost a bottle episode until the last uh, act where they they're I mean they're all kind of bottle episodes, but like they're they're like it's episodic television. They're just talking about the Clarence Thomas uh, confirmation hearings, which were a huge piece of news in the day. When uh, do you want to describe uh, this is horrible? If you don't know, one of actually. More than one of our Supreme Court, current Supreme Court justices are uh, alleged uh, sexual harassment, uh, harassers slash assaulters. assaulters. Um, 
Clarence Thomas being one of them. Anita Hill was his former staffer, that right? Or she yeah, was... uh, she used to be. I think she used to clerk for him, oh, or yeah. she used to be a staffer for him. And um, initially, she did not want to come forward, and uh, was sort of, I don't think pushed into it, but eventually convinced to come forward. Um, and he used to sort of. Uh, I think it was only harassment in Clarence Thomas's case. So he right. used to talk about how big his penis was. He used to uh, describe pornographic scenes from movies. He, long Dong uh, he, Silver. He talked about Long Dong Silver. He apparently at one point left a pube on a Coke can, which I'm like, what? I don't, what move is that? Yeah. Um, and Anita Hill testified against him, and it sort of tore... It was really the first time that a Supreme Court decision sort of came to a head like this at least in the public sphere and uh clarence thomas described it as a high-tech lynching he sort of put it in in racial terms of just like even though anita hill was also black he uh he put it in terms of like you know he is being accused of something he didn't do and this is a way to you know keep black people off the court um and the other weird thing is that biden was running joseph biden democratic nominee for president or not nominee candidate for president jump on a few steps there buddy. uh give it a few months uh, what's the um, worst thing that could happen that's probably what's gonna happen <laughs> he uh he was actually head of the judicial committee i believe and he had the option to have other women who would verify anita hill's claims he chose not to have them come forward so anita hill was the sole uh claimant and um you know she sort of took all the heat and a lot of people said she's lying just to get attention she was actually in love with him there were a few clips in this show of like senators saying you know women can get deranged they get so jealous that they become deranged and you know she wants to destroy clarence thomas uh because he rejected her and just terrible shit. good thing stuff like this doesn't happen God. anymore stuff um almost exactly like this only worse <laughs> Like, well, I mean, because of the, I'm not defending anyone, but because of the the Anita Hill thing, and they realized that sort of history doesn't look back on it well. That's why Republicans were like, we are not going to ask Christine Blasey Ford anything. We're going to hire this mousy, yeah, right, this mousy woman and put her behind a ridiculously small desk and have <laughs> her ask odd questions of Christine Blasey Ford, and we'll just go, we're sorry this happened to you. And then when Brett Kavanaugh gets there, we'll just be like, it must be a case of mistaken identity, don't you think, Brett? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, totally. I like we, beer. We believe you, Dr. Ford. Blasey, Dr. Blasey but we Ford. don't believe all but the details. this didn't happen. This thing that you're saying definitely happened. But we believe you. So the, uh, this is anyway. that, very much an episode built around like a, femi- a feminist sort of rant of about this uh, horrible thing right. <laughs> that ha- was happening. It's interesting because there's also like a weird framing device where uh, for some reason uh, it's brought up in the first scene that that Julia and Mary Jo are in a regional theater production of Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. And uh, that is almost immediately forgotten. So as everyone sort of gathers at the house to discuss the Clarence Thomas hearing and they sort of watch a recap on TV. And I mean, the, the show even shows this recap and uh, shows the votes being placed and f- showed Dan Quayle verifying. It's extremely topical, like all about yeah. this. Yeah. 
And it's very interesting. It's actually a very interesting, like, sort of lightning in a bottle moment of the show, just like this really interesting, like, of the moment take on this current event. And then jarringly cuts back to a rehearsal of whatever happened to baby Jane. And it's just like, what? Oh, God, why? Because, I mean, Mary Jo is dressed as, you know, Betty Davis from the movie. She has this extreme, like, white caked makeup on. Uh, Dixie Carter is done up like Joan Crawford, tied to a bed. And it's just like, oh, I forgot about this because we were just talking about this very important event that was happening. And I for don't understand. For a long time. For like Yeah, for like a good 15 like, minutes. <laughs> two acts of this yeah. show, we were talking about this thing. And now... We're back to Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, and they're driving. After the rehearsal, they drive to what's her name again? Allison Sugarbaker's house. Uh, Allison is doing a story for the local news about her take because she actually believes that Annie Anita Hill is lying. Um, her show is interrupted by Mary Jo, still in Full Betty makeup. Davis makeup. Um, and she sort of gives the Julia Sugarbaker registered trademark uh, rant of the show uh, into the camera. And uh, eventually the show ends with them all dancing to um, Sleepwalkers. Isn't that that song, that guitar? <laughs> uh, and that's the end of the show because they're having a sleepover at Allison's for reasons for her birthday. And, there's and it's, just like, mention- it's like two halves that just... Like they had two ideas, and they at the end of the the season writing fest, they were like, "Well, we still got these two halves of a story. Fuck it, just put these two together." Wait, and they also mentioned putting like the slumber party uh, prank of putting someone's underwear in the freezer, which right I didn't know was a thing. But apparently right, we asked Lauren about it um, while we were watching apparently it. Apparently, it's a thing. And yeah, you you did do that. You would take the girl the underwear that they packed for the next day. You would take that and put it in the freezer. And I was like, oh, and then they would force you to wear it the next day. And she was like, no. So you just couldn't so you just, wear that underwear for a while. So you just wear underwear for a little bit longer than you would until you got home, and then change. Just use your underwear from the drawer. I mean, it's really only a disaster if you shit your pants while you were sleeping. <laughs> Good thing I never did that then, huh? And we were talking like if guys did that, they would force you to wear the underwear. Yeah. That's oh, the, yeah. the point. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, why don't you just throw it in the toilet or just like get it all wet? You can't wear it then either. Yeah. Who cares? What I'm saying, girls, is you really need violence in your slumber parties. Um, we then watched the last episode. So uh, season uh. seven, episode 22 gone with the whim. I don't really want to talk about this too much. Cause it was weird as fuck. And it was clear that they weren't, they didn't know they were ending. I mean, the show had fallen it was apart. Clear, like they weren't sure they were ending, but they had a feeling they might be. It's ending. like you could end it here and it'd just be kind of weird, but it wouldn't be like that crazy. Cause there was like, uh, a lot has happened like narratively since, in between the time here, like uh, so, Allison's gone. Allison's again. gone. BJ's there. She's part owner. That there's somebody's doing a takeover, and it's kind of a hostile takeover of their company. But there's this Gone with the Wind flashback because they're in this big antebellum house. 
that's being remodeled by this guy and his trophy wife. And his trophy wife, I guess, has really bad taste. So she's like taking out all the old stuff and putting in new stuff. And and she wants to take out this like two pronged staircase and like replace yeah. it with an escalator. <laughs> um, and all her, her furniture is really ugly. And the, it's a very anti the sugar baker's style, which makes you wonder why she hire them. And I don't understand the mechanics of the hostile takeover. Yeah. I'm also very confused. I'm like, are is Sugar Baker and Associates publicly traded? Yeah, because they keep talking uh, about the SEC, <laughs> and it's like, I don't think that applies when you have a small business with five employees. <laughs> One of which is not an employee, but just someone's sister who used to be an employee. <laughs> Um, also, uh, and they keep, yeah, they keep having, uh, Gone with the Wind flashbacks, which very awkwardly use Meshach Taylor because at some point he is a slave, but he'll, they'll put him like in a Malcolm X, like the, the movie Malcolm X hats that Spike Lee would always be wearing at the time. He was like, it was a union. It was a union. Uh, he was in a union uniform. Later he is, but he was, I mean, he is wearing a Malcolm X baseball hat. Oh, was it? Okay. It is like, it's not a army hat it is a baseball okay, cap with gotcha. a malcolm x x on it um, i guess that was to just to undercut what he's just doing. to be like yeah slavery was weird huh but he's wearing a malcolm x hat when so. they do like they do address yeah like, i mean they do because julia's like kind of talking about how when it's in the present she's kind of fantasizing about what it must have been yeah. like and she's like he's like <laughs> not super great for me and she's like fair enough she uh, doesn't. Well, I well, she doesn't really acknowledge say, it. She yeah. doesn't say fair enough at all. She just yeah. sort of looks back at him, and then it cuts to like Mary Jo. She well, she kind of like I think she like brushes his arm or something like, but she does not say. And it's also like he's been right. your friend for seven years now. You'd think you'd be a little bit more ca- aware of your privilege in reminiscing yeah. about the old South. Um. Anyway, so, it's a very weird episode. Patrick Warburton there is there yes. though, uh, as. Like, in real life, he is fucking the trophy wife. Yeah, he's like a um, handyman or something. Yeah, he's the handyman who's fucking the trophy wife, who's played by NYPD Blues, Gail O'Grady, mm-hmm. who I always, in my brain, mistake for Gene Smart, which was odd oh. to know that they had some sort of link together here. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's a very weird thing. At the end, it ends with Meshach Taylor picking up Bernadette um, and taking the her fantasy. upstairs, dressed as Rhett Butler, yeah. taking her upstairs, and he goes, you know, it's 1865, and people will talk. And she says, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. And then she sings the seminal classic, Black Man, Black Man, Where Did You Come From? Which was a Bernadette thing from Designing Women, a running gag. Very weird. Awkward. Um, and then we were like, okay, we've watched all the episodes so we, we did what watch. we Yeah, we did, we did what we normally do, which is we'll do a little bit of reading afterwards. You all know if you've listened to this show, we're not hardcore researchers, <laughs> but we like to, I don't know, look up some trivia, just look up some, a lot of this, the intrigue about this show was like, what happened? Why did Delta Why did the cast leave? shuffle around so much? So we kind of looked that up. And as we were looking that up, we realized that there was this big episode uh, that uh, kind of was a very fan, probably the most famous generally uh designing women episode that she did she win the emmy for or just get nominated i think she was just nominated nominated for the Diltaberg was nominated for and that kind of was what the spark of some of this drama because she kind of because of that episode it was like well she the episode addresses her weight gain which had kind of resulted from there's some there was tension around it a, yeah of her so it was kind of seemed like a linchpin kind of episode and so we felt like we needed to watch it but just a little break before that i wanted to read this quote from the uh bloodworth thomasons the uh producers of the show there's like a couple linda yeah. and i don't remember his name um 
We are all mentally exhausted from the daily trials and tribulations of Delta Bird. <laughs> I saw that quote. It was fantastic. That's a very good. Because um, she got to go on uh, Barbara Walters and basically like slammed them and talk about how it was a hostile work environment, which it might have been. I don't, I don't really know enough at all to like say like be on anybody's side but the fact that like only she like the rest of the cast it could have been that they were all kind of trapped in this toxic situation but it seems like maybe she was the problem but again this is a lot of things i don't know about but she got this whole like hour-long interview with barbara walters and they you know they weren't made aware of it so that was their pushback <coughs> so we had to watch this episode which is called they shoot f- what was it They shoot fat women there, don't they? Season four, episode 11. Go on. Oh, I'm going to do it? Absolutely. Uh, So Delta Burke's character, Suzanne, um, is getting ready for her presumably 15th high school reunion. She's brought back some dresses to try on. Mm -hmm. um, And according to Julia, they look very matronly. And she's like, well, I look more a few pounds and they don't wear, they don't make as cute outfits as they they do uh, for this size. Um, and uh, Mary Jo offers that she could, you know, shop at a fat woman's store. Big and tall. Uh, a big and tall or big and beautiful. And and they made a few jokes about how uh, how if you're at a rich mall, they have names like women of dimension and all these yeah. things. And when you get to a poorer end store, it's just like fat and fabulous. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was pretty funny. But eventually, Suzanne does go to her high school reunion. Remember, she was very popular. She was a beauty queen. And everyone's sort of making snide comments about her weight. She goes to another one of those segmented bathrooms that has a conveniently placed wall so you can do your makeup while people talk about you on the other side of the wall. Um, And she leaves. And uh, she goes back home. And and Julia comes to visit her because she can tell she's not feeling very well. Or kind of down in the dumps. And... uh, you know, tells her that she's beautiful no matter what, and those people are small-minded or whatever, some sort of soft-spoken Julia rant. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> then that that changes Delta Burke's mind. It's a two-part reunion, so she yeah. goes to the formal event the next day. And well, don't, you're forgetting that uh, Meechak Taylor's character. Well, I is. was gonna, I was okay, gonna, gotcha. I was gonna go into that. Uh, Got it. Separately, but uh, she wins for most change since high school, and she gives an inspiring spa- speech with music in the background about a little bit too know, loud. <laughs> she, yeah, the music is always a little bit too loud. It might have been the TV we were watching on True. because it just uh, after a while I was like, oh, maybe this is just the mixing of this episode. But she says, you know, I have changed a lot since high school. Maybe not in the way you think I have, but, you know, the old Suzanne wouldn't have come here or something like that. And I haven't changed like Sandy Smothers has. She's dead. <laughs> she was killed in a car wreck. So, you know, different strokes. She kind of threw that in the speech. It was like, Jesus. <laughs> um, and Meshach Taylor in the B-plot of this episode is sort of doing... Uh, a sort of brave oh i see why you wanted me to bring this up he's doing a sort of charity work where they're sort of fasting for charity and he gets mary joe and julia to participate and so they fast for 40 hours is that it i think it's two days 48 hours yeah um and uh weirdly at one point he's like i was on my way to this event for you know uh hungry kids but i wanted to bring this child from ethiopia to talk to you very briefly and so this child from ethiopia speaks in a perfect uh american accent (laughs) 
um, about you know the trials and tribulations of famine in of Ethiopia, oh. and <laughs> oh yeah, that's where I stole that phrase. <laughs> the trials and tribulations of working with Delta Burke, uh, and she shakes his hand, the little boy's hand. Delta Burke does, and she thanks him for his bravery or something. I was sort of losing interest at this point, <laughs> and she does work him into the speech as well about how this hungry child taught her something about herself. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, um, it wasn't that great. But, you know, it was sort of like a, a showcase for Delta Burke. And yeah. so obviously, like... It was like bringing know, attention to what right. she deals with in real life. Too, and, yeah. and brave on her part to, you know, sort of talk about it. Yeah. Especially in the climate of the 80s. Right. Where tabloids were really railing against her for, for weight gain. Yeah. Um, and they talked got- about how, like, you know, people, especially women who gain weight, you know, people act like they should, don't even deserve to be alive. Um, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it was... It was Probably the least thing, ham-handed of the ham-handed episodes of yeah, Designing fair, Women we watched. Fair, yeah. And I can tell you something from my own reunion. Everyone's gotten fat. Yeah, I was like, what reunion is she going to? Um, this does have two uh, good lines, which is Meshach Taylor and, and Julia are talking about this. At the very beginning of the episode, they have this really sentimental moment, which seems like something that would come at the end of an episode. Yeah, Where they're odd. talking about how they really value him and and – He's great and blah, blah, blah. And, he, you know, he kind of – he chokes up and then they're kind of ending the conversation and he's kind of reclimped and he, and he goes like, I forgot today's trash day, <laughs> which I liked. Yeah, uh, And then another moment, um, Mary Jo really wants to eat sugarless gum, but she's been fasting for you know, 24 <laughs> hours or something. And, and Julie's like, I'll smell your breath when you come back. I know – don't don't eat it. And then she's got her head down and she just goes – Bitch. <laughs> it was very funny. It's funny. Um, okay. I think, I feel like we've said enough throughout the episodes that we can go to the verdict. You think? Yeah. Let's, right, let's I'm go to the so exhausted. We've watched so much fucking designing women. So much. Damon, what's your verdict? Uh, I don't know. I almost want to like judge it by ceiling seasons, um, also by ceilings. Um, there are beautiful ceilings <laughs> in designing women. Uh, I don't know. This is not a great show. It's a fine show, but I think it gets sort of reminisced about in better terms than it was. Does it? I think so. I mean. You need to hang out with some southern gay guys. Okay, is this like is this like a big thing? Yeah, this is a thing for gay guys. I mean, it was probably in a good block on Lifetime at the same time that Golden Girls was on. Right. Um so I mean it is I remember watching it as a kid and remember sort of picking up on that Julia always gets one of these big speeches. Right. Um in fact, I think there's one episode, I think it's the one where she gets her head stuck in the banister that she's challenged to not have a big speech like by Mary Jo or something yeah I think she has an even bigger speech (laughs) because she's been holding it in um but I think it's like a nostalgic favorite not an actual favorite like Golden Girls was like no I get it like there's some awkwardness sometimes and you realize like oh yeah 80s shows were kind of made like this there was always sort of a lesson yeah I get it um but this one is just like the worst elements, the worst parts of Golden Girls is like turned up 
in Designing Women, and the jokes are a little bit more few and far between. I think they do start to hit their stride a little bit better in the third and fourth seasons, but then the disappearance of Delta Burke sort of hinders it a little bit, although I really did like Jan Hooks' character. Yeah, she more was than I thought. Funny. Yeah. And she had a sort of different vibe than Charlene. Um, Charlene was sort of like, uh, maybe a little bit more gullible than dumb, but Ch- Carlene was kind of like the the, the dumb uh, one, the Rose Island of the yeah. group. Um, and I actually kind of liked Allison Sugarbaker too because she, I thought she, she brought a, a different yeah. vibe. Yeah, she had a foil element, which was also kind of. But nice. she wasn't. A, she wasn't like a straw man like the other. Yeah, kind of people that disagreed with Julia. Yeah. To be destroyed and never seen right, or heard yeah. from again. And it does follow into that trope of like these characters are like, oh my, and I know I've watched a few more episodes, but there's like, it felt like for a good stretch of the first season, it seemed like every first scene was Charlene coming in to the design studio and being like, oh, did I not mention my friend from high school? <laughs> um, and it was like, oh, here we go again. And it turns out she's like a, a madam of a prostitution <laughs> ring. And Julia gives a big speech about how prostitution is wrong. Um, it also, like, it's reminisced about, like, Julia's politics, like, sort of being feminist, but it also kind of is sometimes a little bit dated about, like, yeah. uh, why aren't women more virtuous? Why are people, like, in the AIDS episode, she talks about, like, how she heard that pro- Hollywood producers are going to stop having people hop in and out of bed. And she, instead of taking the tack of, like, why can't we be a little bit more, you know, sexually open? It's like, well, why do we have to wait until AIDS comes along to do this? As if as if not hopping, you know, bed hopping is virtu- isn't virtuous or something. And it's just like, ugh. I don't know. It's just all over the place at times. There are a few good moments, but the good moments aren't great enough to make me forget how awkward a lot of the show is and especially near the end of the the last two seasons it gets a little bit like sort of flailing in the water like hey the lifeguard should go down and get that lady out of the pool (laughs) um so i'm gonna say it's an okay show but your inner child is an idiot this isn't a great show. Wow. And let me just grab that gay card. Yeah. From no, I I figured this was coming. I'll have to go. I've been demoted to on the down low. <laughs> um, if you want, if you want this back, you have to go see your local notary. <laughs> I also have to watch American Horror Story seasons <laughs> yeah. four through six. Um, yeah, I think we're basically on the same page here. Uh, I kind of like, because I, for the most part, I'm kind of in line with her. Like, if if I disagreed with Julia's politics, I think it would be even more annoying. But, like, I'm generally... You'd feel like Dixie Carter. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, I, it's... it's I'm kind of, like... So, I'm a fan of, you know, the big speech kind of thing. It can be very effective. I'm an Aaron Sorkin fan. Like, that's, like, exactly. what he does. But, like, I feel like at least... And I don't want to defend get into, a, like, a whole Aaron Sorkin thing. But, like you got to like make them human characters. If you want that to be effective, like they have a reason for believing the things they're not really. And you know, it's a 22 minute sitcom. Like there's a lot of, a lot of asterisks flying around. Like, but like, it's not, it's very straw man. I think that was a really good description um, of like how they do it. They're just lining them up for for Julia and the other, other characters too, to knock down. And it does seem to get a little bit more nuanced when it when the show's hitting a stride or at least the couple episodes we saw and yeah there were some good things about the the famous episode they 
shoot fat women here. Like that there's some, there's some good nuggets in there as far as like the, the, the statements and the politics of it. And there's some things where I grip, but it's just very preachy. Like, it's just very like, I'm like, I'm with you, but shut up. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> wow, like, so your take is women should shut up, especially yeah, yeah. the designing is that, kind. Is that wrong? <laughs> but you know, no one like wants to be sort of like, talked at that much and could be just we watched way too many episodes but like it was not couched enough in the actual story it was a very thin story around these speeches and around these statements and i think like it can be done effectively but i just don't think they did that very much even the like the most effective ones were pretty piss poor and like the comedy aspect of it like were how, how much did we laugh like five or six times over seven episodes like mm-hmm. And especially if we're like, hey, it hit its stride in season three and four, which from what we watch, I don't disagree, but that's two seasons out of seven. Like most of those we could pretty much get rid of and we wouldn't be missing much other right. than establishing characters. And that got a little confusing too at the end, but I think it would have been confusing too, even if we watched all the way through, because it wasn't a narrative choice. It was a cast choice. So it yeah. was like- I mean, that was a much more common thing yes. in that yeah. day. Like, oh, she left- just bring in someone else and we'll, right. we'll keep going yeah. for another 600 seasons. I mean, it is, I'm watching these. I mean, I'm a huge Seinfeld fan, but it is also, it reminds you what Seinfeld sort of like, it sort of drew a line in the sand. Like, well, let's, if we're going to be a comedy, let's just be a comedy. We right. don't have to have this moment. We're all going to learn something. Right. Um, Which was a huge thing for an otherwise pretty traditional right. sitcom. Like and we sort that. of come on the other side now of that, where we have shows like Bob's Burgers and, and right. The Good Place that are sort of about like, hey, we can sort of be like weirdos and still be a loving, like supportive, uplifting earnest. group. Yeah, yeah. And uh, earnest about Yeah. But we also know how to earn right those moments when they when they happen and they can still be couched in comedy as well well that's that's i think the the biggest thing i was going to come down on with with my verdict is that um, and i think you can see where i'm going with this uh the we just watched golden girls and this is a very good contrast they're off they're often like paired together they uh, came out around the same time and like mm-hmm. we're are often like they're you know they're shows about women which is like it sucks that they that they're considered similar when they're really not. But at the same time, um, golden girls was funny. Like there, <laughs> there were, there were all these kind uh-huh. of it, like issues. And we did a whole episode on it. You can go listen to that about the things that, that were problematic and, and golden girls and this and that, but like the, it, achieve the main goal which was that generally speaking, it was funny. Like not always, not every joke landed, whatever, but like it would, this was barely funny ever. And like if the first couple of seasons were like, are there even jokes? It almost like if it tipped any more in the other direction, it would be in that sports night realm of like, right. just like you sort of hear a, a studio and <laughs> sort of like, uh, yeah, while people sort of make jokes. Um, I think it was a little bit funnier than you're giving it credit for. Or maybe it was funnier to me than, than it was yeah. to you, but the, the actors are good. Funny. Ge- the actors are generally pretty good. Yes. So like, I, I want to like, I want to, and it's not so much what they did with what they were given as what they were giving. I feel, mm-hmm. I feel like it's more of a writing, like general vibe problem. Cause like any pots is generally great. Actually, Jean Smart was not that great. Uh, despite the fact that I like her a lot. She Delta- sort of got on my nerves because she's constantly just, Mary Jo. Yeah. Julia. <laughs> Uh, Suzanne and Julia's more of like a um, she's definitely like a plot and 
lesson delivery system than a joke. She had some jokes. Well, I mean, she is sort of like fastidious, so I always like that. Yeah. Um, She was very offended when she found out that Mary Jo sometimes pulls dirty shirts out of the laundry and just irons them and puts them on again. Okay, yeah, that was pretty good. Um, So I feel like she had like a certain character trait. Right. They they do seem, it did seem like a long time before I could understand like, oh, okay, this is this character's thing and this is this other character's thing. And it felt like they were almost too realistic in the first two seasons. Where right. It's like, yes. Okay. Yeah. This seems like a real woman, but you know, maybe make sort of amp it up a little bit, and it would yeah. be funnier. Yeah. Um, and I feel like they got into that in the in the sort of middle seasons, and then yeah. it, I feel like it just went off the rails as the casting shuffling happened. If you want to watch this because you like loved it, I don't think you're going to be terribly disappointed. But you're in a child's you an might. idiot. Hmm. You might be. You're in a child's an idiot. You can't make a show about all Barbara Thorndykes. Remember Barbara Thorndyke from Golden Girls? She was the anti-Semitic woman that you know. Dorothy's like, let me put it another way. Go to hell. Now that's a takedown. That's a straw man. But this whole show is Barbara Thorndyke's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think, everybody? Email us. You're in a child as an idiot at gmail.com. You can call us. Leave us a message. 615-576-0525. You can find us on all the uh, social meds. You know them. We want to thank our patrons for supporting the show, including Little Flick. Just because. Jacob Grimm. Brandon Hardy. Christine in Brooklyn. His Honor the Mayor. Jeremy Powlin. Joshua Nicholson. Karen Kurd. Larissa Maestro. Dan McIntyre. Ghost in the Burbs. And Jonathan Day. Thank you all very much, as well as our other patrons. Really help your... um, we really appreciate your support. We You're really helping help us. It too. <laughs> You're really helping us create this show on a sustaining basis. If you want to become a sustaining patron like us, I'm trying to be like uh, PBS. Is it working? Well, you're going to need more tote bags. I'm going to tell uh, you. You've bought five. It's um, sad. That's not enough. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash your inner child's an idiot to become a patron. And also, Jordan. Jordan. Mary Jo, Mary Jo, Simpson, Julia. I don't remember. Never. But it's fun to say. 